Welcome to Life and Leadership. I believe in creating community, connections, and creating space to be curious. This podcast aims to take you on a conscious journey through quality, diverse, innovative content and conversation. My hope is that we create a circle of influence, a transcendency of compassionate leadership in the world and wider universe. Can you imagine having the relationship you desire? In life and leadership, pandemic pauses. This can be a windy journey of isolation, work to live, live to work, and the rest of it. Your heart's desires or loved ones may take a rung lower on the ladder than you may care to admit. Creating the love and sex you want simply requires a new mindset and practicing a few key skills and habits according to Intimacy podcast host of Sex, Love and Power. The inquiring and brilliant Michelle Lissenberry Christensen is dedicated to helping powerful women create deeply satisfying love and sex in committed long-term relationships. Hold up, this is a good episode for men. Listen in, it could be inspiring for you. I'm your host, Michelle St. Jane. This podcast is a bounty of rich information for men and women. Michelle is passionate about high-profile couples and increasing their skills and commitment to create what they desire in love and sex. Getting more peace, more connection, more passion in your days and nights so you've got the energy and attention left over to be the change you wish to be in the wider world can only be a good thing, don't you think? Why is this an important topic? I believe the narrative is collapsing around relationship. Escape fantasies are more the norm. Traditional acceptance today of the relationship contract, whereby a man's possessions and protection are exchanged for a woman's fertility and fidelity, does not seem to be working. Yet love remains central in our lives, consciously or subconsciously. If this is a hot topic for you, listen up. There are truth bombs, great guidance, and a rich conversation to listen to. And it's coming up on Life and Leadership, A Conscious Journey. Welcome in Life and Leadership. Threatening traumatic times and pandemic-sized pauses can change our perceptions and our priorities. So welcome to the podcast, Life and Leadership, with Michelle Lizenberry Christensen. <laughs> so Michelle, I'm so thrilled to have you on board today. Did you get into your area by choice or by chance? Oh boy, I think it was very much by choice and almost like a too good to be true, pinch me, I must be dreaming kind of thing. So I'm a relationship coach for leaders today because about a dozen, you know, 12 to 14 years ago, I was an executive coach, which I had been at that time for more than a decade. And more and more of my clients would come to me and say, you know, Michelle, I know we're supposed to talk about my leadership team today. And they would almost whisper like, but can we talk about my marriage? Because talking about marriage is so taboo and people don't want to, you know, they, they want to wait. They want to hope that things can work out, that they don't need help with it. And then they wait until it's really painful before they go see a therapist. And then they going and seeing a therapist is often really painful and doesn't really hit at what they really needed. So I think I was a trusted advisor in their lives. 
they loved me and knew me as their leadership coach. So they felt like they could talk to me. And the more they did, the more I wanted to do that. It was like a guilty pleasure. It was like, do I really get to do this? Do I get to talk about these things with these amazing high-performance people? And so what I learned was that they already had really good marriages in lots of ways, and they just wanted them to be even better. So that's how I got to be a relationship coach. And then backing up, like, how did I get to be in the human performance field? I always knew that I was fascinated with human potential. Like as a little girl, I taught myself to meditate and I was really into spirituality. And as soon as I discovered like Tony Robbins, I wanted to be like him. But as an undergraduate, I majored in economics because it was the science of choice. And I didn't want to be a psychology major because at my school, that was all like rat labs and abnormal psychology, like studying serial killers and people who had to live hospitalized. And that wasn't the kind of psychology I wanted to study at all. I wanted to study the psychology of human performance. So I think from at least a fairly young age, this is what I wanted to do. But I did used to dream of being a, a Supreme Court justice one day <laughs> and um, was, was a youth court judge, like bona fide, had a courtroom and got to wear a robe and rule on actual cases in high school. So that's just a fun fact now. Not where I wound up going. It was one of my past careers before I decided to try podcasting this year. Ruth Bader Ginsburg was my hero from way back. In fact, she she finished law school around the time I was born. And she went on the bench about the same time as I was practicing as a barrister. And then um, I went on to do some work on the bench as well and started a social enterprise law firm. So law has been similar to psychology. It's a great launching pad. And I just feel so passionate about re-emerging leaders because this is like what I call my fourth career. (laughs) and gifting myself a year to make it or break it but the fun will be worth it for sure awesome what a fascinating story yeah so you never know what you want to be when you grow up or you might like I did this year during the big pandemic pause decide I don't want to go back into an office I don't want to get on another plane I want to buy a mic and design some cover art and some really wild topics for episodes yeah so first I'd love to get into a discussion about around being in relationship creating longevity and quality this seems to be your magic areas yeah so I find that love is one of those central things in life that we're all hungry for. So when people are single, they talk to me about wanting to find the right person and create the kind of relationship that can be really nourishing. And, you know, in some senses, we know the problems of what we have. We know, we know the downside of the situation we sit in right now, and we can see the upside of a situation that we're not in. So when you're not in a relationship, you look at people in relationships and go, Oh, I want, I want one of those. And then a lot of the people who are in relationship come and talk to me about the challenges they face being in relationship. <laughs> and, and I sure know those. I've been married for 20 years to the man I've been in love with for 23. I know it's not easy <laughs> sustaining love. Biologically, we're set up to be young and randy and make babies when we're 17 or so. And biology doesn't seem to care a whole lot about us being super into each other after that. You know, our biology sort of draws upon our long history in human evolution of being part of a pretty tight-knit village. So you have some babies with somebody, but it doesn't really matter if the two of you are super tight-knit because you've got nieces and cousins and aunties and the, the kids get raised by all of us together. 
It's really, we don't have to be monogamous and we don't have to stick together as a couple. It can all work out. But right now in our culture, we're really much more siloed. And so people are much more reliant on that one person. So it's that much more important to stick together and to draw deeper and closer as time goes on. But in many ways, it's that much harder to do so as well, because our relationships just don't seem to get the same kind of support that they really need in order to thrive. Sometimes we're in a relationship for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. So my first marriage, my husband died after 10 years. Mm. And that took a lot of work and processing and how do you go forward, you know, and how do you, you know, yeah. So sometimes, you know, I think we would have been licensed, but I just, you know, I didn't get that choice. It was taken away from me. So, you know, mm. he was a man. He always, um, he did believe in going to bed mad. <laughs> you had to talk it out. And mm. uh, he believed in time with his family and his children. And yeah. And, you know, I'm looking at the stress for people in relationship this year, suddenly finding themselves 24 and seven in the same space because of quarantines and lockdowns. Do you have any tips for people doing time together? <laughs> oh boy, doing time is the right phrase, isn't it? <laughs> well, it's so funny. You know, I was just, just today, my family is here. We all live together and now the kids go to school right in this building and I work here and always have. And my husband works here kind of part of the time, although he's a project manager for a construction company. So he is going right now. He's on the job site. He's building a new courthouse. This morning he was here. I was carrying a cat up the stairs and that's not a good idea. I can't recommend that. Don't carry a cat up the stairs because the cat freaked out. And Michelle, I don't know if you can see this, but he scratched my neck. He scratched my nose and my eyebrow. And I let out this scream like I do because <laughs> I have a lot of sensitivities <laughs> physically. And I was noisy and I alarmed my husband. You know, it was pretty early in the morning and he was up and in his office, but he was like, God damn, you know, like uttered something. And then my feelings got hurt. So I just share this as like an example of how, you know, and right after that, he was very solicitous and had lots of room for me and my wounds and, you know, cared a lot. But his initial reaction was one of irritation because he, he too was startled. So it's like, the noise I made, I couldn't help. The noise he made, he couldn't really help. And that's what it is to be doing time together is the way I am is going to be rubbing up against you and your needs. And the way you are is going to rub up against me. And so that natural friction, I just have so much compassion for all of us who are living right up in each other's grills right now. It's just painful. So the tips really are just remember that like, it's not personal. It's not that this person is uniquely annoying. It's that you have a unique vantage on how annoying they are by virtue of living with them. <laughs> you know, I, I tell my kids that like, okay, you know, my, I say to my son, you know how annoying it is to live with your sister because you live with her. You don't know how annoying it would be to live with that friend or his sister or whoever else because you don't live with them. So that's the beauty of intimacy is that we know the best in each other and we know the worst in each other. So if we can remember that and kind of take it with a grain of salt it feels less dramatic and we get less of that escape fantasy. You know, I call like, I think a lot of us have thoughts about divorce. We have, sometimes have thoughts about fratricide or uh, <laughs> killing our children, killing ourselves. Um, and I don't mean to make light at all of true suicidal ideation, but truly the thought, just the transient thought of like, I could get out of here. I think of as an escape fantasy. 
And I just want to normalize that for everybody. Like, I get it that of course you do. (laughs) So if we can kind of keep a sense of humor about that, it's really helpful. And then certainly, you know, I've heard a lot of this advice, but I guess I'm immersed in this world. Really crucial to remember Maslow's hierarchy of needs and take care of yourself. Because if I'm underslept, all bets are off with regard to my relationships. Uh, if I, if we're not eating well, if we're eating too much or eating the, the wrong kinds of things that act like drugs in our systems, or we haven't eaten in too long and our blood sugar is crashing, things don't go well interpersonally. And being together so many hours a day, that's got heightened importance. And then make sure you're not together all the time. It's really okay to set boundaries. It's really okay to say, hey, can we have like kind of a meta conversation you know, not in the moment that you need more time, but just to say, hey, can we kind of plan our weeks out to make sure that I have time alone in the house so I can really let my guard down sometimes? And what kind of time alone do you need? And does it need to be here? Or do you need to go out for bike rides or walks? And just make sure that everybody's needs for solitude as well as togetherness get met because it can all get kind of muddy and blurred in. Early in the quarantine, our dates fell apart because there's nowhere to go, you know? So we stopped leaving every Wednesday night like we had done religiously since Cooper was born. And we really missed it, but it took us a little bit to realize that was what was missing. And so we got back to taking date nights, even though we still often don't go out. We let the kids know we're on a date and we're much more intentional about it. So those are a couple of tips. Any other specific questions that arise for you, Michelle? Wow. Um, I can really relate to how you were talking. Um, I reference it from neurology, the old brain. And Mm -hmm. I often have to catch myself with the hangry, hungry and angry, lonely and tired. Holt is one of the acronyms I like. But also, you know, with the old brain, you can be in freeze, flight or fight. I don't fight. I very rarely will freeze but I sure as hell run. (laughs) (laughs) We all have a favorite, don't we? (laughs) (laughs) I'm a runner. Uh, Believe me, I I feel like fighting is of no benefit. There's room for a good fight if I choose to, but I'm not someone who gets triggered to anger very easily. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's, that's my one. And I have to recognize, I do like quiet space. So this, this 2020 has um, made me very creative and innovative on how I get space, even if it's in the part of the property or, (laughs) you know, I've got chairs in different corners and around corners. So um, I'm out of sight, out of mind. Perfect. I just want to mention really quickly for, for listeners who are interested, my podcast, Sex, Love, Power, you know, anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can find Sex, Love, Power and episodes five and six are about respectively the freeze response and the fight, fight or flight response, because that is so crucial in relationship. And so often we think our partner is stonewalling or they're picking fights with us all the time. And it's really about their state. I will put a reference and I'm very happy to put a link in the show notes so people can go directly to it. Yeah, that'll be really helpful. And there's a downloadable PDF quick guide that can help you manage your own state and learn to recognize when your partner is in, you know, if somebody just clams up, a lot of times we think they're deliberately being withholding, but they Mm -hmm. may be in a brain state of freeze and Mm -hmm. literally unable to speak. Yes. So it's really crucial to know and that saves marriages. Absolutely. I'm also noticing there's a trend of making, um, for people who are in relationship, developing a new appreciation for their partners or their relationships. Have you seen that at all? For sure. 
you mean during this COVID time, like really seeing, oh, wow, you are amazing. I think that a lot of what has happened, you know, the quarantine has been really difficult in lots of ways without a doubt. And certainly I have been privileged. And so we are physically safe here and economically safe. So I don't at all want to gloss over the fact that many people are encountering tremendous hardship and that in homes where there's domestic violence, there's that's all the more dangerous now. But short of those things where life has gotten really precarious, for a lot of people, there's a slowing down that was needed before quarantine. And inside that slowing down, the best in people has come out. So not only do people have more space to appreciate what is there, I think there's more there to appreciate. So here, for instance, my husband has, he's refinished all the floors in our downstairs. This pink color that you may see behind me, I don't know what it looks like on camera, but it's a a very pale kind of womb feeling color to me. We repainted everything. And um, he has been doing some amazing home projects and he's started both foraging for herbs and then buying other herbs and botanicals and making his own tinctures, which then has him like feeling like a million bucks in his body. There's just been this real renaissance in this man. And so, yeah, there's a ton to appreciate. And I think that a lot of people have been playing their music more or crafting more, doing things that make them feel more alive. And between the two of them, it feels amazing. And so I hope that we can hang on to that when the world opens up again and we can go back to the movies and go out to dinner and all that. I hope that we do keep that space in our lives. Yeah, because many people would never have experienced that. I used to work 80, 100-hour work weeks. I certainly have stopped that in the last five years, but I was really astounded when I came to a stop and I couldn't do all that I did and um, decided to pivot to do something I've never done before. (laughs) So I'm going to move on to the next topic. How do you go about resolving or dissolving your relationship? If you find being stuck together 24 and 7 is pre-existing conditions and COVID has just put the cosh on it. How do you go about doing that? Yeah. Well, I think it's, you know, there's a huge question. And I think that let's just presume, I'm going to presume for the sake of answering it, that really it's clear that the two of you are not meant to go forward. You're clear in your heart on that. And it takes a lot to get to that place. I hope it does. (laughs) Because the bottom line is that wherever we go, there we are. You know, so before somebody ends a relationship, I really caution them like, you know, (laughs) it's likely that the dynamics that make you crazy with this person happened in one form or another with other people beforehand. And quite likely you will go, you will find someone else. You'll be really glad you left. You will fall in love again. You'll have that bliss of early relationship. And then within months or years, you will look at your new partner and go, wait a minute you're doing it too. (laughs) And they will drive you crazy in the same way or a slightly different way or a, you know, like 90 degrees opposite way because you chose someone who didn't have the same qualities, but had opposite qualities that now equally drive you crazy. So remembering that kind of human condition that, you know, being human is intrinsically painful. We're often dissatisfied by a lot of things. And Mm -hmm. Our partners are really handy hooks on which to hang that dissatisfaction. Handy hooks. That's really good. So I would be interested in hearing a tip for the person who's leaving and a tip for the person who is Yeah. Reel me in. Thank you. (laughs) So, So you've decided to leave. You know that, yep, our journey here 
is it's time for us to transition our relationship to a different kind of relationship. You may be familiar with the, with the notion of conscious uncoupling. And so for both people, that's my number one tip is get that book, seek out a conscious uncoupling coach, do the process of really celebrating what you have been together and really looking at what you contributed to the goodness in the relationship and what you contributed to its demise. Because it's really handy, again, with the handy hook, really handy to hang all of it on your partner and brush your hands and say, good riddance. And that's a recipe for repeating the same unhealthy patterns. So if you are leaving in particular, really get clear for yourself, where was it that I let go of what was important to me? Where in this relationship did I stop showing up in the ways that I most want to show up in the ways that create the kind of relationship I do want? And how will I take sweeter, more present care of the best in me in the future, whether that's as a single person or in a new relationship or in a long-term relationship? What are my new bottom lines? What will I do to ensure my well-being and that I'm contributing in, in a positive way to a relationship? And then if you're being left, recognize that things can look like they're happening to us, but they're happening for us as well. And so, you know, so often when something's not our choice, we can err on the side of feeling victimized, feeling like we, we want them. You know, I can remember numerous boyfriends who broke up with me, who I was sort of lukewarm on until they wanted to break up. And then I was heartbroken. <laughs> no, 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 Just because I didn't like not being a choice. <laughs> so, you know, you're not a choice if your partner is the one who has decided unilaterally to leave, or you may have some ambivalence, even though you decided jointly. So really sit with both sides of it. You know, sit with what was good for you in this relationship and what wasn't. And where did you contribute to the relationship's well-being? And where did you lose yourself? Where did you stop contributing what mattered most to you? And then what do you most want in a new relationship? Mm. Well, that's number three, because oh. my third, third one, being single again and again and again. I love your advice about, you know, where did you contribute? Where did you not contribute to your best? But you know, the pandemic is causing real challenges on how do you meet people. There's virtual dating now and that sort of thing. I'm an in-person person. person. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I'm coaxing people out of their houses and um, saying, well, let's be COVID careful and kind, you know, um, but we're social beings. It's not healthy for us to, you know, do everything screen to screen. The godlike yeah. technology has some amazing benefits, but to the exclusion of any social interaction that's going to be making a lot of people ill. So single again, single again, and again, any tips? Um, how do you create opportunities to connect and, and find potential new partners? Yeah. Well, um, the book Sex at Dawn is wonderful for recognizing, you know, we're, we're maybe not necessarily built to be long-term monogamous. You know, maybe we're built to be polyamorous and maybe we're built to be serial monogamous. And so I don't think it's really a problem to be single again and again, if it is by choice. And if you do find that you have breakups over and over and you don't want to, you don't want to keep leaving people or you don't want people to keep ending relationships with you and you, and you're starting to get a data set around it. It's really useful to kind of plot that data, chart it and notice the patterns begin to see, is it in how we choose the person? Is it in the ways, do I change a lot from the time I'm in courtship to the time I'm settled into relationship? 
Is there a pattern in how I communicate, how I ask for what I want, how I receive what I get from a partner? You know, there's, there's lots of ways that we can show up in ways that are conducive to us getting what we need and to nourishing another person and lots of ways we can show up that undermine both of those. So deep self-reflection is the most potent medicine I know for healing relationship patterns. And then in terms of meeting new people during this time, I think it's great. I I love your strategy of sort of saying, look, we're in a pandemic, sure. And I don't want to get or transmit COVID. However, we do know ways to be safe. So let's make sure that we get creative and find ways to be together. So taking walks, you know, eating together three feet apart doesn't work right now. You know, you got to be unmasked to eat. And so, you know, you cannot go out for coffee or, or dinner um, right now with a new person, but you can absolutely take a walk, um, ha- even have a distance picnic where you sit six feet apart and you can both eat if you're in a climate that is conducive to that. And I think you are, even though I'm not anymore now that it's November. And there's a lot that can be gained from corresponding and writing, you know, <laughs> texting, even I recommend texting very highly for married couples who do see each other every night because the poet in us is often not verbal. There's something that comes out when we write longhand or even typing, we can kind of let our thoughts fly. So I would encourage people who are dating right now to take advantage of some of the constraints, right? Constraints make the art always. And so look at some of the constraints as ways that they can be blessings. This won't last forever. And if you're meant to meet somebody now, then that's because you're meant to have this magical chapter. Kurt and I were apart for three months when he lived in Rome during architecture school. And I was still stateside for most of that. And then I got to go over and, and reunite with him. But this was in uh, 1998. The internet cafe was way over in the Tristevere and he had to walk a long way to get to it. And he would often, rather than going and sending me an email on my probably AOL email address, he would uh, send me faxes he would write longhand and fax me letters and I would fax him back. And that's such a romantic memory now <laughs> and I wouldn't trade it for anything. So I hope that other people are making those kinds of memories now of virtual dates or texts or emails or even longhand letters. Yeah, I have always had a practice of sending postcards. Oh. That's become terribly difficult because getting to a post office, getting to buy postcards, getting stamps has all become quite a big mission. But for years, my family's been very global and I always send postcards. And my aunt once saw me last century sitting down in a cafe on a Monday writing postcards. And she said her grandfather used to do that. So my paternal grandparents had come out to New Zealand from Wales and my grandfather used to write every Monday. And then I was doing the tradition without even knowing that there was this family tradition from the beginning of the century, the last century coming out. It was something I had always done for yeah a long time. But I've beautiful. I have my collection of postcards are exhausted and my stamps are exhausted and it's just tough. So I love the facts as, as another fun way of doing things. I love handwriting and I think it's um, a great way to collect up some memories too too precious to forget and create a treasure box around that for sure. Except we now know that faxes fade. (laughs) Yes. But even now, you know, with social media being so big, we can write longhand and take a photo of it and post that on social media. There's no, no reason that we can't be both analog and digital at the same time. Absolutely. 
Well, just in wrapping this up, Michelle, do you want to share about your services or any other parts of your work that listeners might want to reach out to you about? Sure. I work with people either one-on-one or two-on-one. I work with couples a lot, even though a lot of the time we spend together is separate. And my private coaching is really customizable, but really focused on action. And my programs for groups, I'm starting with Reignite the Spark. It's a 30-day experience to double the turn-on and closeness in your relationship. And so you can inquire about either of those by reaching out to me via my website at lizandberry.com. And there's lots of information about those things there. And to get to know me better, I think the best way now is to listen every Thursday for a new episode of Sex, Love, Power, where I talk about, you know, just like we've been talking today about the conversations I think we need to be having about sex and intimacy and social justice and the ways that our patriarchy and our capitalism shape our relationships and influence them in the ways that we can take ownership of all that. So thank you so much for having me, Michelle. Oh, it's incredibly important, the work that you do. And I am a big fan of less discussed conversations and getting it out there. And my work is around global leaders. And, you know, when you transition to another country, not of your culture, no family connections, isolation can be a big, big challenge. And if you're pinning everything on your soulmate to keep you together, that usually lands on the shoulders of women. <laughs> yeah, uh, not always a, a value add for the relationship, and if you you know working hard in that. So thank you so much for all your contributions to the space, and I appreciate your being willing to be hosted today. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. It's delightful to be with you, and I am such a fan of your work, and I celebrate all the ways that emerging and re-emerging leaders. All of you listeners, I love the ways that you are creating the world that we need. So keep listening and keep growing. And thank you for listening today. As a steward of meaningful leadership in the world and wider cosmos, I have a passion for service through sharing wisdom, strength, and hope. Thank you for the opportunity to foster open conversation, discussions, and an exchange of ideas that create understanding and connection among diverse groups. Your support is valued. Please subscribe, leave a review and a rating. More importantly, share with your connections. Thank you.